Marty, I always knew the colour of whiskey was totally irrelevant to the way it tasted. No, no, no. <laughs> Justin, uh, Justin, Justin, Justin. See, you've only half listened to me when I've been explaining this. All of your senses basically play little bits and pieces on all the other ones. They sometimes overlap a little bit. And I've told you about this. Sound and vision and ambience and where we are helps with all the whole thing and improves the taste and the flavour. I've been telling you this for years, but you just don't listen. And now I've got academic backup. I've brought in the professionals. <laughs> brought in the heavies. <laughs> <laughs> brought in the heavies. We're joined by Professor Charles Spence, who is a gastrophysicist and food psychologist, which doesn't mean you have to say that your mashed potatoes is depressed and work on them to bring them <laughs> around. This is, this is a science. This, explain what it is you do, Charles. <laughs> so I'm a psychologist by training who's interested in the senses, how we see and hear and touch and taste and smell. Uh, I do a lot of work around our experience of food and drink um, and bring my sort of psychological understanding to figure out you know, just how important the colour of the whiskey is. Never mind the softness of the chair you're sitting at, the music in the background, the fire, the weight of your glass. Um, I'm really interested in the total experience and, and how to, to, to use our understanding of the senses. Mm -hmm. uh, how they all connect with each other in order to help uh, brands and chefs and mixologists and baristas uh, deliver more enjoyable and more memorable tasting experiences. Now, you mentioned here about the, how the senses marry up together. And there, there's this idea that there's five senses, but that's not strictly true either, is it? There's, there's more than sort of five <laughs> senses. Uh, probably there are. A uh, little disagreement about quite how many. I think we'd all agree we've got sight and sound and, and smell and touch and taste. Mm -hmm. And then it gets hazy. Um, when I ask my students in the lab, how many senses do you think we've got? Because this is a cross-modal research lab. This is our bread and butter. I get answers back between nine and 13. And if you go to the, uh, to the New Scientist magazine, they came out a couple of years ago saying there are 43 different oh. senses, depending on how wow. you slice them up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a lot of... A lot of uh, uh, and as, as I've got, gone through my sort of food psychology, I sort of started out just looking at hearing and vision and then brought in touch and then smell and then taste and then pain. And whenever I run out of things to study, just add another one of those senses in and start all over again. So so basically what you're saying is uh, pain. So you've tasted uh, Conor McGregor's proper 12 then, because that is painful to drink. <laughs> <laughs> now, being serious, these these senses uh, marry up together and, and they can improve or or even distort uh, other senses. So, for example, if something looks good, it tastes good. If it looks bad, then it sometimes can taste good, depending on what, what way it looks bad. But that's that's kind of your area of where you... That's right, how the, how the senses influence one another. And we, I guess we know when we drink something, when we taste a glass of whiskey, we all think we can taste it on our tongues. There it is, moving around, sloshing around in our oral cavity, as we describe it. And yet um, we really taste with our brain. I think that's where the psychology comes in. Yeah. Um, and before we, 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 you know, we taste that whiskey, we're already looking at the colour and that's setting expectations about what we're about to taste. It's not a cola, it's not a Sprite, it's not a Fanta. It's, it's, um, and then thereafter, we're maybe nosing it and that's giving us other expectations. Yeah. Uh, and they kind of help to anchor when we actually taste. Uh, we're getting um, taste and smells going in the back of the mouth, retronasal smell, we call it, along with the texture and the mouthfeel. And all that's coming together up here for the first time. And then our brain does this wonderful trick of convincing us we're tasting in here, in our mouth. But it's really happening here. And all the senses come together along with you know, what we've learned about, the price, nostalgia, emotion, who we're with, what we're feeling at the time. Exactly. Um, 
It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's smells actually one of the most sort of invocative uh, senses because you can smell something and remind you of a childhood sense, not necessarily a memory, which is a, a bit more evocative necessarily than a defined memory. Um, so you have all of this and, and the presentation and everything that comes across. And now you've worked with a, a blender to try and demonstrate this or to, to enhance the experience of the whiskey using sound. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, for, for whatever reason, we've been working a lot with uh, uh, whiskey brands over the last decade, in fact, trying to deliver experiences. And I'm not a chemist and I'm not a blender, so we don't sort of touch the, the kind of composition and, and the blending itself. Yeah. But take that product and think, how can how can we deliver a different kind of experience to consumers that goes beyond just the liquid in, in the glass? And I had this great opportunity to work with a, a black bottle and a sort of master blender to, to, to figure out uh, from his tasting notes from the new Alchemy series. So you've got sort of four variants, uh, 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 four flavor profiles. Um, he was able to uh, deliver us kind of the, uh, the whole sort of tasting journey for each um, uh, expression, if you will, yeah. uh, from the nose and the palate and the, and the aftertaste. Um, and we could take that with all the stuff I've been learning about for the last decade <laughs> about the almost, I wouldn't want to, you mentioned earlier, sort of synesthetic. I wouldn't want to call it quite that, but I say almost synesthetic. The fact that for, for some bizarre reason, we all seem to associate tastes and flavors and aromas with, with colors, but with the shapes and with textures and also with sounds. And in this collaboration, we're able to play on those sound taste matches. And I know from the research we've done in the lab and online and in restaurants and elsewhere that uh, bitter tastes tend to be accentuated if I play a low pitch sound, maybe something brassy. I can bring out sweet notes in the tasting experience with high pitch tinkling sounds. We've got fruity sounds, creamy sounds, spicy sounds, <laughs> uh, you name it. Um, and so I can kind of take the, 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 uh, the blender's tasting notes with the science we've got in hand uh, and then pass that on to um, a sound design agency, Pitch and Sync, who can then take that sort of mapping and come up with these uh, intriguing uh, sonic evocations of the different expressions of the of the uh, uh, of the uh, the Alchemy series. Can you actually make mediocre uh, product taste better? Then is that is that what you can do? Um, oh, that's among the things I can do. We can't turn <laughs> we can't turn uh, water into whiskey yet. That's beyond <laughs> our, the best of it. But uh, what you can do, and this has been shown a lot, you know, in the world of of wine. If you tell people it's a, an expensive wine, <laughs> it tastes better. Not just they say it tastes better, but the bit of their brain that cares about pleasure and reward is in there in the middle. The OFC that also <laughs> lights up more as a result of what they believe about. If I tell you this is going, to, this drink's going to taste very sweet. If I verbally say to you it's going to taste very bitter, again, you can see in the taste bit of the brain a change. Even though you yeah. taste the same liquid, your perception is not just about what's happening on the tongue or in the nose. It's combined with your expectations and your beliefs as well. And in a way, what we're doing with this sort of you know, sonic seasoning, I want to call it, is sort of drawing your attention to something in your tasting experience that was probably there all along. Yeah. But with a complex tasting experience like, like whiskey, you, we just we just find it very hard to pay attention to concentrate on all the different notes that are coming in on the palate. But if I know that the, the mapping, the musical mapping between 
the fruitiness, the caramel, the toffee apple, the sweetness uh, and sound, then we can play the right sounds. And almost magically, your brain will start concentrating on those notes in the tasting experience. And as you concentrate on them, they get, they get become a bit more salient to you. Yeah. And more apparent, more intense. And yeah. by, so by that means, we can then sort of, you know, modify your tasting experience um, through your ears. To enhance to enhance the tasting experience. Yes. Now you said what you mentioned there was high pitched taste, sweet and and sort of more sour notes as as, as more bass notes. So would I be right, better? Would I be right in saying BG's sweet, Barry White not so much? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're talking my language. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, other 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 part as well. That's was it Latvian Estonian composer. With all that sort of Gregorian, I don't know, <laughs> oh, chanting, that's pretty low pitch. That's pretty bit terrible. <laughs> You're going a bit high brow for our audience there now, Charles. You know, keep it a bit more Barry, Barry White. That's what Justin plays in the radio. <laughs> so, is there is there elements of what you do going to be, shall we say, geared towards different um, settings? What I mean by that is. Would you envisage that if you're in a club and it's more high pitched, high tempo dance music, that seals of, of of sweeter stuff will be enhanced by by that music? And if you're in an orchestra, maybe seals I don't know, maybe of, of I don't know some sort of sherry or whatever, you know. So, so I think there's a few things going on on when you think about how we drink normally on an everyday basis. Yeah, wherever we are, there's always a certain light level. There's always a certain sound, or isn't. Um, or there's noise, and certainly the evidence shows that you know probably what we hear can affect us in about maybe five different ways. In fact, without us realising it, one of which is this sort of sonic seasoning bringing out a particular note. But as the noise levels in the pub or the club get louder and louder, that suppresses your ability to taste. You find it harder to judge the alcohol content of a drink. Sweetness is suppressed. Saltiness is suppressed. Um, maybe umami is enhanced. Yeah. Um, but then as the tempo increases of the music. And the loudness increases, that makes you drink more and faster, which is why you know some of those chains of bars and restaurants say in their mission statement, we play loud, fast music 24-7 because we know this will increase sales by 30%. Um, and beyond that, then there's also kind of you know, the, the sort of some more semantic matching that if you go into a, 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 a bar or a pub or a club and think, what shall I, what shall I drink tonight? Then if they're playing a bit of you know, the bagpipes, who knows, you go for your scotch. Um, yeah. You too, maybe it's over to you know, a, a, an Irish whiskey instead. So we are biased. And, and people, when you ask them, they come out of the store when they when it's been playing like French accordion music or German umpa umpa music. Uh, <laughs> why did you buy a French wine today? Oh, well, I was going to have, you know, French food tonight would match. Um, did the music affect you? No, of course not. <laughs> Everyone says it doesn't affect them. But the sales data say, you know, by simply by changing the music, you can bias people's food and drinks uh, choices pretty dramatically, more than yeah. any of us sort of realise. And so all these different ways are, are kind of, are, are kind of uh, they're affecting us in the background. We think we make our own choices, we're in control, we, we know why we decided to buy this, we know what it tastes like, uh, and yet uh, the, the auditory backdrop, is, which is such a key part of the experience, is always there, changing. And I, think, I sort of wonder why, you know, something like... Um, uh, Jägermeister and heavy metal concerts. Yeah, yeah. What's going awesome. on there? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll agree with that, but but it's kind of a correlation. Why is that drink associated with that kind of music? Maybe it is because of the uh, 
heavy metal tends to be lower and and, and the very bitter taste of Jägermeister is kind of there's some sort of synergy there. They're sort of congruent, maybe. It sounds, it sounds plausible. <laughs> now, now, now I, I, have, I have a thought here, okay? All of us in, in sort of Australia, New Zealand, North America, uh, Europe, we all know what French wine is, but there's going to be maybe people in sort of other parts of the world don't associate having uh, French wine with certain foods. Uh, would they be in, influenced in the same manner whenever they're completely unaware of any connection? Uh, I think yes. So, so I mean, what we think maybe is typical I don't know, Indian music or Japanese music might not be what the Japanese or the or the Indians think of. As, yeah, exactly. As yeah. But yeah. Whatever it is that we associate with that cultural country, and probably we all, you know, uh, uh, probably many people around who you know hear a bit of an accordion music and don't think of you know the, uh, uh, France. Yeah. Yes, yes, um, yeah. So that will trigger. Whatever country you associate with that music, that's where you're going to be biased towards. You'll deny it. You you won't think you'd be so easily swayed, uh, and yet you will. Especially especially in cases like um, I mean maybe in wine. I'm not sure. I do know what French wine tastes like. I know what French wine brands are, but really in a blind taste test, I probably couldn't pick. In many no. cases, the actually the country. I think I could, but actually I probably couldn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, so in which in which case, you know, for things like wines and in other research from restaurants where you take dishes like um. Sort of a, a, a Malaysian curry from one study from Adrian North, which is sort of is that Chinese or is it Indian? Well, it's sort of somewhere in between. Then, with a sort of an ambiguous flavour, okay. then you're more likely to sway people one way or another. And maybe wine is actually sort of in some ways ambiguous. Yeah. Okay. It's a fascinating area of research. Now, Justin touched on it there about making mediocre product tastes better by sound and, and, and so on. Is there an element of all of this that to try and make really a sort of pinnacle experience where you have the noise and, and I I like the, the, the Glencairn glass for whiskey. I like the sort of bulbous nature of it. I think the sort of smooth and, and I like the I like the hold of it rather than tumblers or anything like that. And they have this it's shape like this to enhance the smell and I don't know. It seems to work for me, but it might be a psychological thing. It's all psychological. It's all psychological. <laughs> but it's all about I, moving this experience to as good as possible. And music, you play in it, um, moving it all, all from this to this, and that sensory experience the whole way across. Do you envisage a time when there will be sound recommendations on the labelling to tell you, oh, you'll like this with this, what this, Try, yep. play, play Beethoven with this and, yep. and Oasis with that. We're already there with some brands in some categories. Um, uh, probably my favorite example, like from Krug Champagne. Mm-hmm. So, well, you could take a mediocre product to make it taste better by telling people it's expensive or by perhaps not matching the music. So far, it's mostly been at the at sort of premium end of the market where the Sonic Seasoning, for example, has been incorporated and taken the champagne category. Krug, who had like 15 years of interest in pairing music to, to, to accentuate the the, uh, the skills of blending of the Master Ducave, or whatever, um, uh, by having musicians have playlists. And what do you do there? You buy your bottle of Krug or someone gives you one, and then you just scan the label with your mobile device, and that gets you access to the playlist that's designed in some way corresponds to what you're wow. tasting. 
That's yes. there. With Hagen Das, he had a you know, musicians where he scanned your different flavors of ice cream. Then you could see different um, musicians playing over the top of your ice cream tub as it tempered, ready to serve. Uh, so that is already happening a bit. Um, and, and maybe you use that sort of labeling to, I think you know, it's probably happening at the top end in part because they can afford to do this, to go beyond yeah. just the product. And the, um, but also because they realize in maybe many ways that in many product categories, as time goes by, it's very hard to differentiate products in a blind taste test. In fact, the sort of mm -hmm. different brands and products sort of converge maybe on a, a popular taste profile, not in all categories, but in many. Um, and hence, uh, by adding this other sort of sonic element, you can help to elevate the experience, connect with younger consumers who want to, you know, go beyond just um, a traditional whiskey tasting, maybe, and have an experience. Yeah. Um, and think about how, you know, you can optimize that experience through the glassware, as you mentioned, uh, uh, through the music, through through whatever means possible. And it just seems to me crazy that, you know, for so long we spent so much time thinking about the liquid bit coffee or whiskey or tea or orange juice or wine and never thinking about how that liquid gets to yeah. the consumer and the fact that modulate it so for me in the last decade i spent so much time thinking about glassware as you mentioned it's really important yeah, how few brands have thought about that we concentrate on the, on the formulation and the blending and we leave mm -hmm. everything else to chance <laughs> yeah. and if you're a starbucks yeah. or something you know how important the experience is and you know that you know the, the, the receptacle yeah. the, the glass the can the bottle is a key part of the experience so why aren't you optimizing that? Why aren't you coming out with your signature glassware branded, maybe like the Hogarden glass for, for wheat beer, yeah, which is heavy, which is angular, which has sort of been designed almost to accentuate the relevant and liked properties. Yeah. Drink. It's, a, it's fascinating. T tell me this. If you go to all this trouble, right, what can upset the apple cart? Because there's bound to be something. You can go to all this trouble and somebody can do something that will nullify everything you're hoping to achieve. Like, um, if I can think of something, uh, <laughs> I'll give you a few minutes. Some people take mayo with chips, and some people take vinegar. But you might get people that put uh, Worcester sauce on chips, and that create the flavor <laughs> profile of Worcester sauce is completely different than mayo or vinegar, and. If you're trying to uh, uh, pair something with it, that, that it's it's not it's not going to go with Pepsi as well as as it, as it did as just salt and vinegar and chips, is it? So um, you're right. I think we all do live in different taste worlds uh, <laughs> as a result of culture, as a result of genetics of our taste buds and what we can taste and what we can't smell. Um. And there are sweet likers, and there are sweet neutral and sweet dislikers. There are super tasters who find things more bitter, um, and so it goes on. So I think we all literally do live in different worlds of taste, which makes it so bizarre that so many branded products are just the same. I don't care what your taste buds are like. You're getting it. Um, uh, and so I think we sort of this sonic seasoning can be seen as fitting into that space. Mm -hmm. you know, when you go to a restaurant, maybe you want your salt, you want pepper. For me, I want my chili and my black pepper. Uh, because I live in a different taste world from my from my wife, from my from my family, from my friends. Yeah, uh, I know that's true about me. Uh, I mean, I'm allowed to do that through the chili or the, or the salt, but I know salt's bad for me, so I shouldn't really be adding more salt to my food. Um, <laughs> but if I can have a sonic saltener, uh, so we've got sonic like sonic sweeteners, um, then it, then the music allows us to personalize the experience for my palate. If somebody sells me a pair of shoes, 
uh, well, everyone's foot size is different. So, of course, we get different size yeah. shoes. But when you sell me a plate of food or, 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 or a branded beverage, you treat me as if I'm, yeah, we're all <laughs> one of the same. So, yeah. if it's in there, and you're right to say, well, then what that means is I can't say, I think what we can say is that what you hear, the, the visual environment, the softness of the chair, all affects all of us um, significantly. And I can demonstrate that with tens or hundreds of thousands of people. Um, does that change make the tasting experience better for you? I can't guarantee it. Yeah. We'll live in our own taste worlds. But what the emerging science allows us to do through sonic seasoning and, and so on is say, whatever taste world you're in, why don't you take your favorite uh, uh, product and you can sort of shift it a little bit towards a sweet end, towards a bitter end, towards a bring out the fruity notes, bring out the, you know, the caramel notes uh, by this means. Yeah. There'll be no negative health consequences because it's just sound. You can't get you know, fat from, from listening to music. No, you, well, I've, this, no, this I've, I've, have you heard some of the singing I've had to listen to you over the past <laughs> while? Now, hold on. I've got an idea. If you haven't thought of this, Professor, <laughs> what about a sonic seasoning diet? Hmm. That's, 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 um, so I, I, don't, I should roll back. I don't know how long-lasting sonic seasoning is. I know it works in the moment. Yeah. In an experience, in an event for an evening, in the lab. Okay. I don't know if you listen to sweet music, tinkling a high-pitched piano um, all day long, every day for a year, yeah. whether it would still work at the end of it, or your brain would say, hold on, whenever <laughs> I hear that sound. We've been called here. That... <laughs> so, uh, we because I would certainly volunteer to try it. Yeah. I would volunteer to try it. If, well, you know. Yeah, and already in, uh, in, in Beijing, in the Jin Cafe in Beijing, they had an uh, activation where they were serving their cakes and pastries and hot drinks. And uh, they played sweet music all day long so they could dial down the sugar on their drinks, okay. keep the tasting experience the same, okay, but with less calories. So there's a, definitely a space for that in sort of the health yeah. uh, 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 domain. That's fabulous. Now, you've worked with Black Bottle, um, and they have two out for this Alchemy series, which you can get at alchemyseries.co.uk. Um, and it's a double cask, which is... Uh, sherry finished sweet, uh, and and so that'll go with high pitched music, uh, and then the other one's Island Smoke, which I assume is probably an it must be an Isla whiskey. So it's smoky, dry sea salt, and and the tasting notes is chili and cardamom, which I I feel would be right up your street. I think that's more your kind of style of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Having spoke to you for about half an hour, I think I think I've you sussed. So so you you're wanting people to buy the bottles, try it, and you have the tracks already uploaded That's right. on, on Vimeo, and you want people to go on ahead, and they give you feedback on the experience. And, and just try it for themselves, and, and kind of in a way, uh, sort of uh, hints at sort of the, sort of the experimentation and the alchemy, and the creation <laughs> of those two expressions, uh, through this sort of creative uh, 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 musical matching. And in a way, there is no right answer. Um, yeah. but just for people to to try experiencing the whiskey in a different way mm-hmm. uh, and to see what it brings out, what differences on the palate, um, and think, you know, was that better for me or which one, you know, yeah. which soundscape did I like this uh, better and, and did I get more out of the whiskey yeah. when I had kind of the matching sounds and where did it take me? So one, one, of, the thing, one of the things that's sort of nice about this, the three tracks that were uh, uh, created is that they it, they incorporate both um, sort of musical sounds, um, and we've got here you know for for the um, 
for the herbals and the spice. We've got the uh, Spanish guitar and the Santa, an instrument I, you know, I've never heard before, but uh, <laughs> sort of works, I think, um, and bring out the sort of spicy notes. Uh, we've got this, uh, the, the, the Celeste and the chimes for the sweet notes, of course. Okay. But beyond that sort of sonic singing element, they're also weaved into it sort of beautifully by um, Pitch and Sync. The more semantically meaningful sounds, we've got sort of the sounds of the seaside. You might hear a little bit of seagulls wafting in and out. We've got the sound of a sort of salt shaker for those uh, that island smoke uh, a number, and a little bit of, you know, um, sort of uh, happy bar-type chatter, just to describe <laughs> it. This is sort of a nice mixing of both the sonic seasoning yeah. and these semantically meaningful sounds and to see where does that take you to and uh, uh, what does it do. Um, uh, and the people who've tried it on so far, it's been sort of great and, and sort of really get it and enjoy it yeah. as a new way of, of enhancing the tasting experience. Um, I, I, I have my two bottles ordered because I want to try this. I have, I have been preaching this sort of banging this drum for a little while and saying that, that you know, this, all of this, it's why cask strength whiskies, I think, are, are important because you get to experiment because you, how you, your alcohol level might be different from mine. I might have perceived this note more than you do, so I put a little bit of water in it and I think it more balanced and so on. And that's that, all of this is about enhancing your, your experience. I had a, a Madeira cask finish whiskey there very recently and it was bucketing me rain outside and the wind was howling and a whole this and it was beautiful colour, beautiful sort of golden sunny colour and I tasted it and it was lovely and warming and I could have been in Sicily. It was just it was it was just that perfect sort of experience for me. And I think this is all where it all should be going. We should be maximizing all of this in a in a as good a way as possible. Uh, I think you know for, what I see as part of the benefit is as well that very often maybe if you're a whiskey expert you know what to expect, what you should be tasting uh, <laughs> for different uh, for different whiskies. But for the maybe the average punter, they can find it hard to articulate, to talk about, to put a name on. This yeah. is stuff going on. I can taste lots of stuff, but what is it? The struggle for the name. Uh, and so once you sort of line it, align it up with this sort of temporally evolving soundscape, yeah. uh, then that can sort of help to lock in yeah. different elements. And you go, ah, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and to have people, you know, we've done a few tastings uh, online over the last week. Um with whiskey influencers and and writers and and so on, um, and see them, you know, saying, well, "What did you get?" Okay, and they just got sent like four black bottles, of course, um, without any numbering, without any naming. Well, one to four was the only thing you saw in the bottle. Uh, and to have you know people coming back and saying, "Yeah, yeah, I get the sort of spicy notes, and I get the uh, uh, salt," and I'm looking at the notes here, saying this is exactly what. That music was intended to bring out, even though they didn't say those things when they were tasting wow. exactly the same whiskey with a different soundscape. Yeah. Uh, and so everyone does it, but, but some people do it and get those a very different tasting experience. And, and it's not, you know, sometimes people think, you know, is it about trickery? Is it about taking something not very good tasting and try to, to yeah. um, uh, make it seem as if it's a much better? I think, no, this is, you know, uh, uh, great and interesting sort of experimental uh, 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 product. And it's about enhancing that experience and showing what's possible and, and trying to you know, help people experience it differently. Yeah. And, and, and take it to us, take it to their own. Clearly, um, uh, Master has one idea about what these expressions, yeah. where they can go. Um, but for each of us with our own taste worlds, maybe you want it slightly more saline, more saline yeah. than sweet. Yeah. 
Yeah. Be, be my and then we're going to bring in the bring in the bring in the bring in the uh, salt shaker and the sands of the seagulls and uh, away we go. I see an Italian restaurant in the future. And it's got a big massive one of the big massive pepper pots and a voice stand. Is it the bigger? Don't be do more more music, more music up the ante. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Professor Charles, it's been a pleasure, and I, I really look forward to trying this. Um, I, I will get onto it. Um, I. I will I will email you back what, what my thoughts on it as well because I, I, I've been banging this drum for a long time and uh, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening. Now we should have.